Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Fighting on Film podcast, the podcast all about classic and obscure war movies, from the Normandy landings to the days of chivalry and swords. If it's been captured on film, we're going to try and cover it. I'm Robbie of RM Military History. I'm Matthew Moss of Historical Firearms and the Armourer's Bench. Hello and welcome to this SAS Rogue Heroes special preview episode of Fighting on Film. Now, I'm in my hotel room, and it's the morning after the night before, and please excuse any noise from outside, because there's currently a building site across the way from my room. (laughs) I'll do my best to edit it out. But, a big thank you to the BBC for inviting us down to the press screening. Now, Matt couldn't make it, but I took the challenge, and I got in my Jeep and made it down to London for the press screening. But before I give you my first-hand preview of episode one, And I'll just read you the programme notes that were given to me on the night. And it sets the scene for the first episode quite well. Cairo, 1941. David Sterling, Connor Swindles, an eccentric young officer, hospitalised after a training exercise went wrong, is bored. Convinced that traditional commando units don't work, he creates a radical plan that flies in the face of all accepted rules of modern warfare. He fights for permission to rescue the toughest, boldest and brightest soldiers for a small undercover unit that will create mayhem behind enemy lines. More rebels than soldiers, Sterling's team are every bit complicated, flawed and reckless as they are astonishingly brave and heroic. So there we go. That was the sort of pitch for the episode as we went in. And then they played episode one and there was a Q&A afterwards. So, episode one, what did I think? To be honest with you listeners, I thought that it was a proper rip-roaring introduction to the main characters. You've got Paddy Mayne, you've got Jock Lewis, and you've got David Sterling. David Sterling played by Connor Swindles, uh, Paddy Mayne's played by Jack O'Connell, and Jock Lewis played by Alfie Allen. And you kind of get to a feel for the characters. David Sterling, you feel, is this uh, young... Uh, officer who wants to step out from the shadow of his father and his uh, background. You've got Paddy Main as this um, rough and tumble Irishman who you feel just wants to fight and have an adventure. And then you've got Alfie Allen who who seems like this sort of calm, calculated, but also quite brutal um, fighter when he needs to be. And they set them up so. You have Sterling, who is trying to fight the establishment. You've got Alfie Allen, who's trying to plan and do. And then you've got Paddy Main, who like embodies the fight, I guess. It introduces them, and then they've got these little vignettes that they introduce them from. And then the main story develops. And I won't give away too much, but it felt like a classic opening episode of any drama that you've seen. 
it sort of briefly explains the situation. The desert in 1941, you've got Tobruk that's under siege. Um, you've got the British Army sort of trying to find their way, trying to, you know, take the fight to the Germans. But obviously their supply lines are stretched and so are the, the Germans. So Alfie Allen as Jock Lewis devises a plan. We need to create this unit. David Sterling goes, great, yes, we need to do something. And that's the crux of the episode. And as it goes along, you see the battles between the men and the army and how they're going to set up what becomes their SAS. And Connor Swindles does a really good job of, I think, playing Sterling. Um, I know there might be some detractors um, of the portrayal of Sterling or the portrayal of Paddy Main, shall we say. But I think the guys are doing a good job. And it's interesting, in the Q&A afterwards, Connor Swindles and Alfie Allen talking about the the characterisation for the role. So you've got Connor Swindles said he read an autobiography of Sterling. He read Ben McIntyre's book. Uh, Alfie Allen read Jock's book, Joy Street, which is a, a series of love letters. And they did read, I think, first-hand accounts. Stephen Wright, the, the writer, he used first-hand accounts. He spoke to veterans. He spoke to the SES Regimental Association. And he said that he didn't want to base it off of any fiction. So I asked the question during the panel, um, did you base it on any classic war movies? Because in the show, there is a... Sea of Sand is mentioned. Don't think it was a direct reference, but it was in the dialogue. But um, he was saying that, no, he didn't base it in fiction because he just wanted to tell the actual stories. And he was saying how the more you read about the SES of that time, you uncover these stories that don't seem real. They seem larger than life. And if he had used them, people wouldn't believe them on a TV sense. So he's... Sometimes he's detracted a little bit here or he's had to sort of rework in something that happened somewhere else but put it in there so it seems more true. But everything that he's tried to include has been genuine. It has been something he's read or found. So I was quite pleased to hear that. You know, it doesn't sound like they're trying to rewrite history but obviously he says it's based on true events so I've had to, with every drama, I've had to dramatise and use licence but I'm not trying to do it in a way that detracts from these actual men because he wanted to show them as the, the rogue heroes that they are, I guess, is what they kept coming back to, these sort of larger-than-life characters that find their niche within the army, in the SAS that they go on to create. But in terms of, um, as Matt would say, mise-en-scene, he's not with me today, but in terms of mise-en-scene, alley-tally, if you will, there's not really a proper alley-tally this week, but... I thought the recreation of Tobruk was really good. You've got the classic port there under siege. The classic sort of how, what we imagine of the port. You see the stock footage of the ships in the harbour being bombed by Stukas. They come in, the Stukas are there. You've got men rushing around with boxes of ammunition, boxes of food, trying to you know resupply, shore up. You've got men on Bren guns and Lewis guns firing at the Stukas. I thought that scene was very, very good. I thought it was nicely staged. They don't spend too much time in Tobruk, but when you do see it, it, it looks great. Um, Alfie Allen leads out a little raid against an Italian position quite early on. That's how you meet his character. He's starting this raid. And I thought that was really well done. The men are in um, at night time. You know, they're in their battle dress jackets and they've got cap comforters on and they fix bayonets and they go in and it's quite brutal. It's quick. There's explosions going everywhere and it looks really good. 
I think the budget's been used well. There's a great amount of uh, Bedford MWDs, which I absolutely adored. It's really nice to see them in their, in their desert livery. Um, and you've got Austin's in there as well. There's nothing I can sort of say that it looked bad. You know, you've got some guys are wearing their forage caps a little bit too, like pork pie hats for me. Um, sort of down over their head but that's really small thing in there and as we say on the show you know you can forgive little details like that if the production itself is really good and I thought that it was it's a strong opener I think it leaves you wanting more where it cuts at the end of episode one I won't spoil it um, ahead of transmission but where it cuts at the end of episode one I feel like it it's begging you to watch the next episode it really wants you to continue on and I think personally off the strength of the first episode I would. You've got these three men. I keep coming back to this overall theme. You've got these three men who feel like they want to do more, feel like they want to do something, they want to take the initiative. Does feel like they're going to do that. And over the six episodes, I think we'll see it. You know, there were things mentioned at the uh, panel and the Q&A afterwards where you feel, okay, they're going to get to that point and I can totally see them getting to where they're going to get to. Hello there, sorry to interrupt. I wanted to let you know that you can now join our supporting cast over on Patreon. As thanks for your support, you'll be able to help us pick films, submit questions for guests, have first pick on brand new and exclusive merch, and much more. Thank you for your support. Now back to the show. Talking about the panel, there were some really interesting production elements. The executive producer, Karen Wilson from Kudos, was there at the panel, and there were some interesting little tidbits about the production so I thought I'd share them with you. They filmed in Morocco over a period of several weeks. They found a way to shoot there because of Covid and then the border was closed and everyone had to isolate. Alfie Allen was saying how it was sort of three weeks of loose lockdown or one week of really hard lockdown and isolation before they could start shooting and over that time they all got to know each other and this camaraderie comes through on set, you really felt like they were a very close unit and everyone at the press drinks afterwards, you could feel, you felt these actors knew each other really well now and they were really good friends. It was a great sense of friendship between them. And I think that comes across on screen. I think it will come across on screen um, as the series goes along. And it was just really interesting to find that out. So, And you had Karen saying that the crew were a bunch of rogue heroes because they undertook this job during, you know, really sort of outlandish circumstances like we had with COVID, with all these restrictions, things like that. And they said, you know, that was our, that was our rogue hero moment. We were taking something on that was, you said they said couldn't be done, but they did it. And Tom Shankland, the director, said it was like ice cold in Alex. Everything broke down. The weather was against them or the heat was against them, but they made it through. Um, And I really like to hear that because sometimes that gets lost on TV sets, you don't find that out. And I'm really glad that they've talked about the production and, and we learned more about it. So I asked the panel, are there any classic British war films that were used for inspiration? And it, uh, Stephen Wright, obviously he said, I tried not to refer to fiction, but he said war is chaos and you don't have to drag too much from other things to get that sense of warfare. Um, and then Tom Shanklin came in and he was saying how, and it's what we get on the show, I thought it was quite interesting, he said, you know, these movies are ingrained in our youth. I watched all these war films when I was younger, so I went back to them. And he was saying, 
things like Kelly's Heroes, Dirty Dozen, Sea of Sand, uh, The Desert Rats, um, The Rats of Tobruk, things like that. If it was, but he said to me later on um, when I was chatting to him that if it was based in the desert, he watched it, but then he didn't want to take loads from them because he's not trying to do a parody or a pastiche. He's trying to make his own thing. Um, and he said, fuck, they're really cool, <laughs> those movies, aren't they? And then that's what he sort of tried to do. He tried to sort of, sort of use them in his head as a nucleus, but then make something of his own. And I think what we see on screen is it didn't feel like, oh, OK, that's your moment from this, that's your moment from that. However, he did say the one thing that when he did feel like he'd done maybe a homage, that's probably the right word, is apparently in episode three, there's a moment where they're all in the desert and they're all trying to get to a certain place and that feels like Sea of Sand because the LLDG apparently come in and save the day or that they're in there somewhere um, and that's a Sea of Sand moment. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. And he was saying how you know you find the humour and the camaraderie from those movies of old that then can bleed through to this, but they're trying to make something contemporary as well. They, they, they're very much stressed that this is a contemporary drama and they're using elements from the 40s, so there is a mixture of old music and new music. There was some Noel Coward in there and there was also some ACDC. I think there was some French punk used at one point and I think one of the biggest problems I think people have had with the trailer that they've seen is that it's used that contemporary music, it's used that quick editing style that is that is used now to get your attention and people have worried that that's going to be the whole thing of the show and I don't think it is I think it is filmed in a more traditional sense in some scenes and then when it needs to go bombastic and quick editing it does it and I don't think you'll notice it I think it adds I don't think it detracts um, and that's one big problem I have heard going in to the screening and I was trying not to think of the trailer too much of a of its end product because the trailer is just there to make you want to watch it and I think go in with an open mind realize that this is a contemporary drama it's not a strict documentary but I do think that as a piece of entertainment as we always say on the show entertainment first history not history second that's wrong but history's there on one side entertainment's there on the other and there has to be a happy marriage somewhere and I think this one gets it um, and I enjoyed what I saw and I really hope that you will too so to wrap up my thoughts of the first episode of SAS Rogue Heroes I really enjoyed it I think it's going to be something that people will enjoy and I hope listeners that you will go in with open minds and you will just enjoy what the BBC have, and Kudos have made because I think you can see all of their all of the dedication and all of the work put in is on screen. And I think the BBC have done a good job. And yet again, thank them for inviting us down to the screening. And I hope when the show goes live on Sunday, on the 30th, that you'll watch episode one and then want to binge the whole thing. <laughs> because I think I do. Hello there, you've just listened to Robbie give his take on seeing the 
very first episode of SAS Rogue Heroes at a press event on Monday. Um, the BBC were very kind to invite both of us along, but I couldn't make it, sadly. But they did send me a, uh, a preview link where I could watch the episode ahead of time, so I can jump on here and give you some of my thoughts alongside Rob's. Long story short, I enjoyed it. Uh, I had some reservations, of course. Um, as with all of these things, we hope they're going to be fantastic. And by and large, I really enjoyed this. Um, the hour-long episode seemed to just zip by, and it set up the three main characters, um, Luz, Maine, and Sterling, really well. And I thought that the cast themselves was a really strong. I, I was impressed by... Not only um, Connor Swindles, but um, but the other actors in there as well, as well as some of the supporting actors and actresses as well. And we're going to hopefully see more of that develop, grow and establish as the story gets told over the next six episodes. Really interesting introduction to Paddy Main, which I think plays into some of the legend and perhaps reality behind the man himself. Um, Rob mentioned it in his uh, segment, but there's a... Very interesting raid um, from Tobruk, led by Luz. And that's really the main action within this episode. And it gives us a bit of a taste of what's going on in Tobruk and the siege. And it's wonderful to see that represented on screen again. Um, there's been a number over the years, but it's great to see it in a brand new production. Um, and it has an impressive scale to it. Despite being a TV series, it looks impressive the equipment and the um, the feel of the the destruction around the harbour and in the other parts of the of the actual town itself feel really um, immersive and work really well. But in that raid that uh, Luz leads, an early indication of some possibly quite interesting alley kit coming in the later in the series is the inclusion of uh, an Italian braider. Model uh, 1937 medium machine gun, which w was brilliant to see that they'd included that. And again, they could have copped out and used something else, but they've they've used the correct weapon um, in the correct um, context. I would say that you know there's there's a lot of interesting kit, and Rob's already mentioned um, the, the Bedfords, of course. Um, but we also get Lewis guns and Brens in the the anti aircraft role, and a plethora of SMLEs, although. I didn't see a great deal of um, 37 pattern webbing on a lot of the background extras, but there's context to that and it's forgivable. As I mentioned earlier, I really like the three leads and I'm excited to see how the rest of the cast rounds out. Um, one thing I did really like about the show was the interesting and quite welcome representation of the, the Duke tomorrow. Uh, we have Waze's um, acronym the Dominion UK and Empire forces. So we had uh, Australians, we had uh, Indians, we had uh, an interesting bit where the pilot of the aircraft that uh, is featured towards the end of the episode, no spoilers, was flown by a chap who I think was a Caribbean pilot, um, which was interesting. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how the, the series develops over the rest of this series because I it feels like it has promise. And as Rob mentioned a, a moment ago in his segment, when you come to the end of that first episode, you definitely want to see more. I definitely did anyway. And that's always a good sign. And I think one of the things that will be important about this, and I've mentioned it about other war films in the past, is that it's made me want to go and look over and look up the history behind the story that's being told. 
And it's important to note that at the beginning of the, the episode, it begins with, this is based on a true story, but with the caveat that there's some artistic license taken. Which again, for me, adds to the desire to go out and find out just how much of what is being shown on screen is based on fact. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to watching the rest of the series and I am very excited to hear what everyone else thinks of it as well. So do get involved on our social media once you've watched the, the first episode or indeed the rest of the series and let us know your thoughts about the show as well. Thanks guys. And there you go folks, as always, thanks for listening. This is a shorter episode than usual. Follow us at Fighting On Film and the website is fightingonfilm.com where you can find the entire back catalogue of the show. Thanks for listening everybody and I'll catch you again next time.